Welcome to the Hoop Collective. It's the, I don't want to say it's the end of the week pod because it's only Wednesday. We used to do it's the end of the week, but I don't know, it moves around. Um, so it's middle of the week pod at the end of the month. How about that? Huh? That's not bad. There you go. What do you mean, Brian? Don't bury the lead. Don't bury yes. the lead, Brian. Come on now. I'm trying to embrace Halloween. Uh, last year, I admitted that I did not turn my lights on for the kids and give out candy. Wow. And I, and I was ostracized. Oh my ostracized. God, you screwed. I As was you ostracized. Um, and wow. now I'm a little bit off the hook. Here. We give big bars Oh, you here, do? Brian. Well, because no one you comes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I live on an old dark country road, so no one comes. So, I, I, so once in a while, if you give the big bars, the word gets out in the neighborhood. Go to that dark, creepy old house. They have big bars. So I'm hopeful. You try to, you try to lure the kids, huh? Exactly. <laughs> Those voices are uh, Jackie McMullen, who is in Boston and was at the um, – I never thought I would say this this early in the season, but give credit where it's due. The big oh. Celtics went over the Pistons last night. Yeah. And in Houston is Band McMahon, who was at the womp, 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 uh, Rockets uh, getting thrashed um, most recently last night by the Trailblazers, who were playing their, like, 11th game in 12 nights or something, and it still didn't matter. Um, yeah, hashtag schedule alert. In your face, Baxter Holmes. <laughs> I know. Baxter's <laughs> schedule alert column, which, which last year, I don't have the numbers in, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but last year Baxter, uh, you know, he's at the sleep expert he does this column with and like she looked at the entire schedule and when it was at the end, like she had successfully predicted like 80% or something correct or maybe more percent about all these like guaranteed losses because teams were tired. It was like better than any bookie. Like it wasn't against yeah. the spread, but it was better than any bookie could ever predict. And she did it six months in advance. And so yesterday Baxter's column for the 2019-20 season, you know, debuts, you know, they, man, they, they anal- whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> this is more proof that I'm overworking. She is good. <laughs> um, Oh, anyway, schedule alert for Wendy and some violin music. Please. First, first schedule alert of the year goes wanting. Um, well, why don't we just start there? Um, McMahon, I didn't watch this game. I was, uh, Boy, watching, did you miss uh, out. <laughs> uh, what's going on with the Rockets? I'll just leave it this way. Just what's going on with the Rockets? I know they're banged it, up, but what's going on? Listen, it's just an elaborate Halloween costume. They're dressing up as a lottery team. That's all this is. <laughs> No, no need for it. It's concern. beautiful. They're going to win some contests. <laughs> I tell you. I mean, hey, obviously it doesn't help when the MVP is, is injured. And, and, you know, maybe James Harden can get back as soon as they're a little weekend back to back in Brooklyn and Chicago. And by the way, boy, if you don't at least win one of those two, I mean, whew, sound some alarms. But, uh, you know, James Ennis is hurt. I mean, I don't think. Are we going to sit here and say, wow, they can't win without James, journeyman James Ennis, even though he's their starting small forward? Journeyman uh, James, you just, you just nicknamed him. Um, actually really got blown out against the Pelicans with their full roster. Let me just point that out at home in the opener. Chris Paul has been completely out of sync since coming back from his little two game suspension. He is now like nine of 32 since then. I mean, and, and by the way, he had a few garbage time baskets. He was the one starter on the floor. With, uh, with two minutes remaining last night, he played 37 minutes in that loss in which they were down by 28 points at one point against a team playing its fourth game, fourth road game in six nights and a back to back. Uh, you know, the defense was so bad that after the freaking Clippers put 133 on them, Mike D'Antoni declared that they were going to have to basically ditch the switch, get rid of their entire switch happy defensive scheme because their personnel didn't fit it, and then he went back and looked at the film and considered the options and said, well, it ain't the scheme. It's the execution. It's the communication. Uh, they held the Blazers to 19 points in the first quarter last night and still trailed by four. I don't think they're ditching their offensive scheme, but look, last night, I mean, Dan Tony was as honest as could be. He said, quote, we're playing like crap, and, you know, I really don't have a whole lot of answers right now. If if their defensive scheme was ditch the switch, what would their offensive adjustment be? Chuck the duck the chuck. What would what would be? I mean? I can't even. <laughs> right there, you go. Uh, as as he put it last night, flee the uh, three. Ha uh-huh. Right. Good job, Jackie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, you should no you should write for me. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Their their offensive scheme at this point is please get well soon, James Harden. Um, but look, I mean, this Find is... Find another fellow mellow? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, there you go. This is a this is a horrendous defensive team that is not very good offensively. And last night they're terrible offensively. But the 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 real problem and James Harden's return certainly is not going to solve this is that they are a terrible defensive team. And I'm not going to sit here and pin it all on Mello, but playing Mello 30 minutes a night sure makes it tough to be decent defensively. So all I could think of. All I could think of, I can't get it out of my head, is you guys know the movie The Cooler, right? The I Cooler. do not. Okay, I so know the movie, whole... but I don't know it well right. to make references. Well, so here's the reference that we used to make here in Boston. Whatever team Alex Rodriguez played for, things oh, went bad. Yeah. He was the cooler, mm-hmm. like the Texas Rangers, you know. At wherever he went, everybody, everybody yep. went south. And Mello is the NBA's version of The Cooler. Sorry, guys. It's just hey, the truth. It's not even you know, fair. It's not even it's fair. Not, there's things. There's plenty of other things wrong, but I just all I could think of was the cooler man. He's the cooler. And, and it's and it's not personal. And I've had you know no right. Uh, yeah. I've had I've had you know mellow loyalists in my mentions ever since I pointed out uh, after the Clippers game that their defensive rating was a full eleven points worse with him on the floor than when he sits. When Mello sits, their defensive rating is actually just slightly better than it was last year when they were one of the better defensive teams in the league. Now, small sample size, there's noise there, obviously, but they still 11 uh, is a pretty big number. That is a big number, and and it's by far the biggest on-off difference, on-off court difference uh, on the roster. And like I said, look, Chris Paul has has played poorly, really on both ends of the floor. you know, I mean, Capella hasn't been the same so far this year. They're, they're, they've got a long list of problems. This isn't just as simple as, you know, Melo has killed them. By the way, Michael Carter-Williams is actually a rotation player for him. That, ugh, that should not be the case <laughs> for any team in the NBA. Let's just be brutally honest. Last night, he had two straight possessions where he caught the ball open uh, in the corners. One, he pump fakes and travels. The next, he shoots an air ball. It's like, good lord! You, I mean, is this as simple as just? Um, is it as? It is as simple as just losing um, Ariza and Mabute, or is you know? Do I you think, think it's. I, I, I don't think I don't think it's that simple, and they, and they can't possibly be as bad as they look. I mean, this isn't a team that's going to win twenty games, right? And but but here's the thing: they're, they're not just like okay, the Thunder early last year were losing. But they were losing close games. The Rockets aren't losing close games. The Rockets are getting blown out on their home court. They've already have as many 15-plus point losses this season as they did all of last season. They are getting humiliated. They were down 28 points in the third quarter last night against a team on the end of a long road trip. And now, hey, look, the Portlands are, are, are Portland's a pretty good team, but still, that's embarrassing. I mean... New Orleans ran them off the floor. Again, pretty good team. but that, Everything's coming up I Warriors, isn't it? The, Just, you know, the, you know, this oh, team was goodness. right there to beat them. But this yeah. team was right there, there is, to beat them. So you guys know about the Super Bowl hangover. Yes. Don't uh-huh. you think there's I something to this. it? I do. I do. And okay. I think think of the changes. They're subtle changes, but combined. I, I believe in chemistry. I have coaches poo-poo that. I have other coaches that swear by it. We all mm-hmm. know that the real truth is somewhere in between. But let's just play the game. You lose Trevor Ariza, one of the great, greatest veterans in your locker room. Agreed, Tim? Right? Great guy in the locker room. Uh, loved in the locker room, maybe not as much by the coaching staff. Right. But I'm talking about the locker room because that's oh, yeah, where no, it all yeah, happens. That's where sure. the magic happens. Mm-hmm. One, he's one of them. Luke Baumute, I mean, if, if, if you look under the word professional, that's where his name oh, yeah. resides. Jeff Bezdelic, I just don't think we can stress enough how important he was as a sounding board for Mike D'Antoni. He implemented the defense that got them to the finals. You mm-hmm. take him away. Now you add Mello 
and there's some, you know, talk about popular with the players, maybe not so much with the coaching staff, right? So you traded, you got rid of one for the other, but one guy was, a, you know, really a stalwart of your lineup, and another guy, we don't know where he fits, and he's he's telling us it's mentally challenging to find his way off the bench. And then I told you guys, remember when this thing, this dust up with Rondo and Chris Paul? Didn't I tell you mm-hmm. Rondo would flourish and it would affect Chris Paul negatively? And it's happened, you know. So all these <laughs> things combined, Amazing. I swear. It's I swear. <laughs> and so all these things combined, to me, you got you got a big hot mess on your hands. Now they're too talented, to Tim's point, for this to continue. But that doesn't mean that there isn't such a thing as a carryover, a malaise from the previous year when Clint Capella was playing for a contract, Chris Paul mm-hmm. and James Harden were playing for their playoff reputation. Yep. And now all of a sudden it's like there's this huge letdown. Well, and I, I completely agree, and I've actually talked to people around the Rockets about it. And this is, you know, this is a when they're one and three or whatever, one and two, one and three. And look, it's a thing where they are, as they like to say, a hamstring away from a championship last season. And really, the Rockets can't prove anything until May. You know, they, they really can't. Now, they at, at this rate, doesn't uh, them being alive in May looks very, very dicey to say the least. But I, I think it's one of those things where they win 65 games last year. They have the NBA's best record, and it's kind of like just a just human nature to think, all right, you know, we got to go through this regular season. Too bad we can't fast forward. And you know, uh, no, you, you you can't fast forward, and you can't just kind of go through the motions because these other teams are here to play. And by the way, despite Tillman Fertitta during what was supposedly an MVP presentation to James Harden before the uh, season opener, screaming into a microphone, we're an even better team now. No, you're not. <laughs> you, no, you ain't, buddy. No, Mello coming in here. Uh, and, and again, I don't want to blame this all on Mello. Okay? And I but don't you, think he's – I but. don't think I, – I, and I want to make clear, I do not think Mello is bad for the – chemistry of this team in other words he's here because obviously daryl morey wanted him but more to the point chris paul and james harden said we want mellow they went and convinced mellow to come here uh you know he was welcomed in the locker room the whole coming off the bench thing i was talking to a, a scout and i said yeah you know he's really reluctantly embraced it and uh, the scout goes, no, he's tolerated it. He hadn't reluctantly, or I said reluctantly accepted, rather. The scout said, no, he's, he's tolerated. But still, he didn't, he didn't really rock the boat with that. Now he's in a starting lineup by necessity. But it's just, he's not a good player, okay? And he's a horrible defender. And he's, at this point, like, he's not a good offensive player. He shot 40% from the floor last year. He's shooting 37% this year. Like, father time has got him. That's true. So um, I, I don't think, you know, the Rockets are not, we're not we're, the die is not cast, but I would just say that in the Western Conference, which we expect to be very tight, you have a bad 10 games and you pay for it all year. Hey, Brian, well, can we, in the uh, Western Conference. Yes, Andrew. I was going to say, in the Western Conference, what, what Yogi Berra used to say gets late early here. <laughs> That's true. That is a, well said. Um, so, Jackie, you were at the uh, Celtics game last night. Um, Kyrie uh, finally had his breakout uh, after getting his hair cut. Um, <gasps> well, and wow. getting a little bit of a undressing by none other than Mr. Heinsohn. Yes, that was please. Stunning. Uh, oh, no. I yeah, want to hear this. Yeah, please. I, I know what you're talking about, and I don't think Kyrie took kindly to it. Maybe why he got his hair cut. Uh, Jackie, you want a, a recap for Mr. McMahon what sure. went on there? Sure. So as we know, Kyrie's been struggling. I think heading into last night, he was shooting 24% from three-point line. Uh, I think under 40% just in, in traditional field goals. And, you know, hasn't looked himself. And, and to be fair, he's coming off two, you know, back-to-back surgeries. He knew it would take some time. Everybody knew that. So Heinsohn, on um, October 20th, after they played the Knicks, made a comment about Kyrie's conditioning. And then last Saturday, after he had a really subpar game in Detroit against the Pistons, Tommy basically said, you know what? He looks like he needs to lose five pounds to me, um, but, I've not, but I haven't seen him on a scale. So you can imagine if you're Kyrie and you're trying to fight your way back how that's going to fly. But he hailed it as only Kyrie can. I thought it was very interesting. Right after the game, he has this incredible game. 
31 points. He just took over the game in the third quarter. He was, he was in Curryville. You know, he was shooting, he shot a 26 <laughs> foot three and then a 28 foot three. There should a be like a line out three. there, Curryville. <laughs> no Curryville, doubt. exactly. And, um, really had it going. The crowd was going crazy chanting MVP. And so after the game, Abby Chin, who, who does the uh, post game for the, for the team broadcast, mm-hmm. grabbed him and he said, yeah, I want to give a shout out to my man, Tommy Heinsohn. Nice. And then, then he, off he went. Now, it seemed to me like I would be irked if I were him, but he handled it. This is why Kyrie's so clever. Gets in the locker room afterwards. We all get assembled. We ask him about his shot, his haircut, and then Abby Chin says, you gave a shout-out to Tommy. Explain what that was about. And then he conceded. You know what? I got wind of it about a week ago. Tommy said I need to be better shape. And you know what? He's right. I get on the exercise bike right after I heard that, and uh, and I'm you know I'm feeling better and and. So he, he, you know, if he was mad, which I think he had a right to be, honestly. Yeah. Because Tommy Heinsohn doesn't call out anybody for crying out loud. Right, that's kind Especially of, anyone well, other, he Celtics. calls out officials. That's what he's, well, yeah, yeah, right. right. And opponents, too, of course. But never the Celtics guys. It's so rare that this happens. So it was interesting. And, uh, and I thought he just handled it brilliantly because he, you know, gave Tommy props, even though I know it was irritating to him. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, one of the things that he said that was interesting also after this game, and you know it's true, he said even I'm shooting, you know, so poorly, but I'm coming up and everybody's guarding me like I'm, you know, I'm still taking game that shot in game seven of the 2016 championship. Nobody's going under screens on me. You know, they still have to honor him. And as Aaron Bain said, when he's going like that, like he was last night, now everybody's watching him and it just opens up stuff for uh for all the other guys. So, uh, you know, can we declare Kyrie's back? Well, I don't know. It's one game. But he looked fluid. He looked looser. He looked, he looked uh, you know, guys like Kyrie, all these great players, you doubt them, sometimes that's all they need. Like, maybe someone should start ragging on Chris Paul. Maybe that'll work, you know? That's well, I was going to say, maybe, to. maybe Tommy needs to go after Gordon Hayward and somebody needs to, like, shampoo all that <laughs> goop out of his hair and, and trim it down a little bit. <laughs> There you go. There you go. See, what I was well, thinking Heinsohn was like, Akeem, is a, Akeem, Akeem should come out and, you know, go after Chris Paul. Would that work? Right. You know? I don't know. Uh, Heinsohn, uh, correct me if Matt, I'm wrong, Matt, Jeff. Matt, Matt Bullard is the Tommy Heinsohn homer of the Rockets podcast. I don't know if he's quite as big a <laughs> yeah, name. Yeah, not quite the same swag. Yeah. <laughs> Bullard's career wasn't quite as accomplished, I don't believe, as Tommy's. No, no. Am I correct mean, in saying, Jackie, that Tommy is a Hall of Famer as a player and a coach? Yes, one he of was, the only he, few. I think uh, yeah, him, Lenny Wilkins. Uh, who else is it? Lenny Will. Oh, uh, John Wooden, actually, and Bill Sharman. Those are the four. Didn't he used wow. to smoke cigarettes at halftime, too? They all did. Sure they did. They used That's to smoke cigarettes. And actually, set, this is actually in, in our book. All right, shameless plug for yeah. Basketball Love Story. <laughs> Sanders joins the team and he gets into the locker room and everybody's smoking at halftime. He's like, how the hell are they doing this? Because they're playing fast break basketball. And he's like, well, crap, I better start smoking too. So then Tommy, <laughs> Tommy's smoking like crazy. And, and Red starts yelling at him and saying, hey, Tommy, you got to stop smoking. You're killing us. You, you're winded out there. Stop smoking. So, so Tommy quits smoking and then he gains 30 pounds. <laughs> he's eating all the time. So Red says, screw that. Go back to smoking. <laughs> Well, hey, Red smoked on the bench. To... Yeah, everybody yeah. did. And he said that, you know what, the guys on the bench, all the bench players, when Tommy Heinsohn was in the game, they would try to sit right next to Red because they knew Red was going to get furious because Tommy was going to get beat down the floor. And he would just grab the first yeah, guy next to him and throw him in the game. <laughs> hey, anyway, if, if Kyrie Tommy's needs the greatest. to cut five pounds, yeah, just you know, start a pack-a-day habit, he'll cut that five pounds in no time. <laughs> right, apparently. Well, there's still a lot of NBA players who smoke, just not uh, cigarettes. Um, That's right. The Celtics, um, it was a nice win for them. But, you know, i got to say, I, I remain impressed by the Pistons. I know they lost, but it was a good fight in a night up in Boston where mm-hmm. a lot of things were going the Celtics' way. It was one of those nights in Boston where – you know, the, the arena was, even though it was just October, the arena was rocking. I guess maybe the was, fans still yeah. buzzing from the Celts, from the uh, Red Sox. I hated, title. I hated the way it ended, though, to see Blake throw the worst clutch inbounds pass since, uh, in Boston since what? Since Isaiah? Yeah. Well, Isaiah's <sighs> had a he actually threw, he actually made a couple of mistakes down <laughs> yeah. the stretch, Blake did, even though yeah. Blake's yeah. had you know a what? really good year. But it's that, interesting. That hurt my heart. Now. 
It's interesting what's gone on with Blake, and we had a lot of. I had a long conversation, as everyone did. I wasn't. I wasn't alone with with uh, Dwayne Casey talking about Blake pregame. How you know he really has turned into somewhat. He, he can still take you on the block, which is what he did last night repeatedly. Didn't matter who was on him: Marcus Morris, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. Whoever it was, he took him in the paint, took him off the block. Now, when they played last Saturday, he was playing out around the perimeter. And, you know, he was smart enough to realize this is the way the game is going. If I want to be a big on the floor, I've got to expand my range. And he's pretty effective up there. He's pretty effective with the ball up there. But that's how the Celtics beat them last weekend. So he was smart enough to say this time around, all right, that's fine for some teams. But you know what? The hell with it. I'm going to go back on the elbow. I'm going to go back on the block, and I'm going to back people in because I can do that all day, all night. So the only thing I would say, Brian, about the Pistons is I can't, I can't buy the stain power because look at their roster. It's just a mishmash of I don't know what. Stanley Johnson, we, we thought he would be better by now, right? Reggie Jackson, is he really who you want running mm. your team? No, there's and, not you know me. there's so many pieces that don't really fit. So I will do this. I will tip my hat to Dwayne Casey. He's there's a new energy in that locker room. I was in that locker room last night, and I can tell you there's a new energy, a new feel. They believe in Don Ca- uh, Don Casey. Excuse me, Dwayne Casey. <laughs> Shout out to the great Don Casey though. Always loved him. Former Clipper head coach. Um, so anyway, I think that there the the environment, the climate is very good, but I just don't think the pieces are. I was talking with some uh, people last night. Uh, Kyle Korver is now sort of tentatively on the trade market. Right, Detroit right. is a, uh, which we'll talk about later, but Detroit is a team that could be a landing spot for him. And I was just looking at their roster, and I was trying to figure out who they would trade. And I was just like, well, I don't, I don't love a lot of their pieces. Uh, although Reggie well, Bullock is um, having a bit of a breakout early on in the season here. Yep. But I, I, don't, I, yep. wouldn't, I wouldn't trade him for them. Yeah, um, Reggie Bullock has so, some big shots last night. So my time, some of my time this week was spent with the uh, Washington Wizards. Wasn't that a lovely evening? Woo. Wow, um, man, oh man! Um, and so I, I talked to some players off the record. Two things that got two things got brought up to me. One of them, which was not surprising, one of them was surprising. The surprising one was one of the players told me that they missed Martian Gortat. Which um, so you I weren't talking was, to John Wall? <laughs> that's true. Like that was the thing. Like <laughs> Wall, he and Wall hated each other. And in fact, this was after the Clippers game, and I saw Martian walk down the hall, and he walked. He kind of walked past the Wizards locker room, and he kind of looked in to see if he could see anybody, like you know his former teammates. And then he was like, "Nah," and he just kept on walking. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm cool over here. Yeah, but you know, um, Gortat, Gortat was. But, he was like again a professional, you know. He didn't get he didn't get the sh- shots and the and all that that he wanted. But he, you know, I was surprised they I was surprised at that trade. I just was. I wasn't just because it was so clear that him and John Wall absolutely despised each other. And you've got you know yeah. a max contract invest in one and the others. You know, I mean, he's going to lose. That, I guess, that but and, I just get learn off. to get along. Learn to get along. Well, Come on now. You know, yeah, so they, they, the player was telling me that you know Gortat and Wall would run 35, 40 pick and rolls a game, and it was good for John and occasionally got shots for uh, for Gortat and also you know forced teams to defend it and it created shots for other right. guys and there was sort of a, a rhythm to it. Gortat really knew he played with Wall for three years and they sniped at each other three or four years and they sniped at each other the whole mm-hmm. way but they had you know by the end they had run like you know ten thousand pick and rolls together and sure and they you know had their ten thousand hours in and it worked and and so sort of the shots got distributed the other thing that e- even though their defense has really been a problem and if scott brooks were here that's what i think he'd be talking about that's what he told me but mm-hmm. the other thing that this guy or one other guys told me was uh is that you know there's he said there's six free agents i I counted. It depends on, mm-hmm. you know, whether you think guys are going to opt out or whatever. But um, he just said some of these guys are worried about their shot, getting their shots, and just natural free agency. They're, you know, you're 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 worried about your stats and you're worried about playing having a good year, and that it's it's negatively impacting teams and I uh, the team. And um, you know, I, I've seen teams that uh, have had a bunch of free agents be awesome. Uh, you know, there's just this sort of team-wide emphasis on it. And I've seen teams that have a bunch of free agents be 
a disaster. Um, although in this case, there are three best players, you know, in quotes, you know, uh, Beal Wall and Otto Porter are all beautifully paid on max contracts. Right. Um, yeah. so beautifully I, paid you know, if you're, if you're them, not if you're the Wizards. Well, that's right. Well, especially Otto Porter, but. You know, you would think that if your team leaders are taken care of, but it, it really does seem to be the role players in the bench. Who are Wall and Beal trying to call out when they're talking about guys not happy with shots? Well, Otto Porter's shots are way down, uh, and his scoring is way down. His scoring is down at the lowest level since I think he was a rookie. Um, and Otto trying to talk to the media a couple times this week, or at least mm-hmm. one time I know of. Um, uh, you know, but Otto's not a free agent. You know, the, the free agents no, are guys like... Yeah, the guy, the free agents are guys like Austin Rivers, Kelly Oubre, Markeith Morris, Thomas Tomas Sadoransky. Um Dwight Howard can be a free agent, but he hadn't played yet. So I don't know. Maybe um, not, not that I'm going to trumpet Dwight Howard could be a, a savior to anything, but if slash when he comes back, you know, he is a pick and roll player who no, they can not. start. No, he is not. No, well, absolutely not. He, he, he may refuses not- to be a. He refuses to be a pick and roll player. That's the whole. That was the biggest problem between him and James Harden. All this team needs is Dwight Howard coming in and demanding post touches. Well, I mean, yeah, but yeah, you can that, call. That, but but he solution. can set screens for John Wall and and you know roll I mean, to the I, basket. I mean, he can. He won't. He's like I said. Well, if, right if now they got Jan Mahimi doing it. It'll work. That, well, yeah, but I'm just telling you, Dwight Howard is a pick and roll player. Is, Nice in theory, but in practice, he's going to set lazy screens, not roll hard to the rim, and whine about post touches. Dwight Howard as a chemistry cure is hilarious. <laughs> that is quite you, quite you, ironic. You could, be, you could be right about that. I may have been a little flippant in making an assumption. There's that no way that I'm wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> that should be like his his quote. There's no way that I'm wrong about that. Tim Band McMahon. <laughs> Uh, like um, I said, just just let Dwight come in and demand some post touches that are ridiculously inefficient, and that'll fix everything. Jackie, will you remind they're, me? They're, um, they've got problems. Did um, in the in the in the uh, Celtics Wizards uh, battles, where was mm-hmm. Avery Bradley and John Wall? Were they ever head to head on that? What was there? Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't, yeah, I'm sure that Avery guarded him. He probably guarded both of the guy, both Beal and Wall. But you mean in terms of like, was there personal animosity or? Well, I'm, Mark is smart, right? That that was the real Wall versus well, Mark always. is smart. Remember, they all dressed in black, and then the Celtics completely fell down. In fact, I Ooh, I thought at the time good. it was kind of a yeah, it was kind of like wow, this tells you a lot about the Celtics, and none of it's good, you know. But they recovered <laughs> from that, um, and you know Wall. Wall was so great. Two was it two years ago? I've I'm lost all my dates. Two years ago, together. he was two years ago. He was so career, great. Yeah. yeah, he was so great. And uh, I you just know, pushed uh, it to Wall a game and seven and Wall and Avery were, um, you know, kind of being fraternizing a little bit on the court the other night. And I was like, I don't, I don't think this would have been allowed when they, when Bradley was with the Celtics. Well, you know, um, Bradley's just a he's not a he's not an antagonist. There were plenty of other guys that could do that for him, and that's just not his personality. And it. It's in part why he probably hasn't been a better player, to be honest with you. Well, I'll tell you what. He's paired up with a, one of the premier antagonists right now. And, boy, that he was is. a show last night. Yeah, it sure was. It sure was. One Patrick Beverly versus his old pal, the, cr- the cradle rocking, baby rocking Russell Westbrook. So I didn't love that, that play, though, did you? I didn't love that yeah. play. No, that, that, I, I love Pat it, Beverly. It, it that bad, was complete man. Bush League. I mean, and yeah, it was. It really was. I mean, that, there, there was no play on the ball. He, that was absolute, total Bush League. That was nothing but, at best, it was an, an attempt to antagonize. At worst, it was an attempt to seriously injure a guy who you have seriously injured before. And, well, I, the know, ball was look, on the ground, but the, the, yeah, I don't believe the need for him to dive. It was way away from his knees. He didn't dive at the ball. He dove at his knees. Yes, yes. And also... The, the nature of him flinging his body in that situation, I mean, it was a uh, – hmm. and it, 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 there are certain angles where it looks really bad, uh, where it looks – I mean, there, the ball was loose on the ground. It was the uh, worst know, th- thing we've seen. It was, the, it was the dirtiest thing we've seen since Rondo spit in Chris Paul's face. <laughs> well, it hasn't been that long ago, but – uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those, um, those L.A. point guards, man, I'll tell you what. 
And Beverly didn't exactly offer a very like strong cogent. defense. Yeah, cogent. Yeah, even, I, I, I don't for loose ball. What, what are we talking right. about? Right, right. I mean, and Westbrook wouldn't talk about it. Uh, also, I thought it was strange. He was, um, you know, in Oklahoma City. It's one of the few places where the media still sits right on top of the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we appreciate the Thunder for doing that. And so you get a lot of sounds of the game that you know we used to get every night. And sure. um, earlier in the game, there was some fans heckling Beverly about his dirty play on Westbrook in the playoffs. And he goes, uh, "What are you guys talking about?" That was pair of fame. Is that who it was? Yeah, the same guy who got nose to nose with Draymond, my my favorite former uh, San Jose State basketball player who runs a bar there in Bricktown. Jackie, it's not surprising that's that McMahon what we call, would. That's what we call inside information, right there. If you were on around the horn, you'd get six points right now. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> you know, McMahon. He no, he, he's got he's got more of a background, but it, this is a Disney sponsored broadcast, so we'll get into all that. Um, McMahon is the type of reporter who knows stuff about bar owners in the Southwest Division. <laughs> I like um, that. Wow. But he, it's kind of I don't carrying know. on the tradition of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reporters. You're, you're I've actually it. been in the pink parrot with with Randy Galloway. Uh, Randy Galloway's the greatest. Great. The old uh, the old Texas Randy. Triangle. You did the Texas Triangle in your beat uh, days, Jackie. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. You bet. Um, yeah. I, I still did it very early in my career, where the the teams would come in and play all three Texas teams. Right. But when you the hope uh, you come out alive. <laughs> when when the uh when the the, the when the, i guess the hornets moved to new orleans and the uh the thunder moved to oklahoma city and also the grizzlies came to memphis they added three more teams there and so they started breaking up you know i don't think it ever happens anymore um oh that's it's interesting all you know it's funny i haven't even thought about that but yeah that was that was an annual the texas yeah. swing yeah usually uh, the when the circus was in town for the celtic they used to do it for yeah. the for the Celtics when the circus was in town. Anyway, so on the Texas swing. Did, did you ever drive it, Jackie? Like, uh, did you no, ever just? I did not. Okay. No, because yeah. back I, then, Brian, this is how old I am. We flew with the team, so I thought it was important. Brana Fairways. Every flight. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was important to be on every flight that the team was on. So you'd yeah. get up when they got up. You'd go to the airport when they went. You know, that was just sort of how it went back then. And. um the the rule was that the team had to take the first flight. Isn't that right? Did that always happen? I don't remember though? that. Yeah. I don't remember that. I can't say that I remember that. I, I thought that the rule was just because the you know the, the the lesser chance of a delay was to take the first flight out in the morning. So, but I would think hmm. you know how many flights are there between Houston and Dallas, Tim McMahon? There's got to be. I mean, there's no, like like seventy yeah. now. There's, there's probably. Yeah, right. I wouldn't right. think you'd want to no. have to get up to take the 6 a.m. No. to Dallas but, if you but, were in Houston. But you know when we would do that, Brian, is like you're on the road and you got to get out of Milwaukee. Because back then, the only place from Boston to Milwaukee was the Midwest mm-hmm. Express with the, with the hot chocolate chip cookies. And oh, it was only great airlines. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> there was a, a great detail. airline. But they were early, and you had to, you know, you had, you had to be up, up and out early to get on that flight because there was only one a day that was a nonstop. Um, I so anyway, the, uh, uh, I was on the 5 a.m. from Houston to Dallas last Saturday. Ooh, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a sweet. I had the the 8 a.m. to get back from my little nine year old's volleyball game, and I get the nice update. Hey, that flight's been canceled, but we've rebooked you on the 5 a.m. Like, uh, thanks. Oh, goodness, oh, man, you're a good oh, dad, well, Tim. You're a good dad. I'm glad you got to make. Well, it. they so anyway. won. Oh, cool. What's <laughs> so anyway. you gonna be for Halloween? Important things. What's she going to be for Halloween? Uh, she is some sort of like dark Robin Hood sort of character. Uh, all, although oh, there's rain in the forecast. Right. No, in the, in the uh, no analysis Metroplex. required there. Okay. No, she's she's my sweetheart now. My my one who has my personality is my is my twelve year old, and uh, she's going to be a cow, even though she's actually quite skinny. Wow, skinny cow! That's like a great. That's a great brand <laughs> that go. people who try to lose weight eat their ice cream. Yeah, the ice cream. All right, what's Dane uh-huh. going to be, Brian? What are you going to dress him da- up as? Dane is a uh, a skeleton. Dane is not. Dane oh, doesn't know so what cute. chocolate is yet. No, of course not. Well, he's going to so, find out what still, candy corn the, is if he's Halloween in, in in Nebraska. The best thing <laughs> yeah. is when they're young and you can dress them as what they have no say. Like when Doug was, my son was, he was like his second Halloween. He was, I don't know how old he was, like just oh, maybe, I don't know, 15 months. 
And he want, we got him this Batman costume, but he was so fat, we called him Fat Man. And every time he, wow. we play that, you know, the Batman, Fat Man. Oh no, he, you should see him now. He's a rail. He's like 6'4, 180 pounds. He's thin as he, he, he looks like Jonas Rebko. He does look like Jonas. How do you remember that? Jonas Jerebko, you're right. He does. That's he right. looks just like him. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a reporter. He's just as sweet Warriors, as Jonas. The revenge game. That's right. So back to Westbrook. He, um, uh, no, actually, it was Beverly. I don't know <laughs> if it was your bar. How many tangents? Well, I just, I just love. I don't want to forget this because I love it. I don't know if it was your buddy, the bar owner, who said this, but um, somebody was giving him crap for you know the Westbrook shot, and mm-hmm. he said, "Come on, man, that was seven years ago." And I, and I, that was I my that, buddy. Was like, Get over it, bro. Was it seven years ago? No, that's why I said. I said, "My God, I'm getting old." No, it's only Jack, five years, years ago. ago. See, the, I think it was. It? Yeah, it was. It was, I think it was 2013. Okay. Yeah, it was only well, five I mean, he didn't. He he didn't have a calendar on the court with him, and you know, maybe there was a little. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but yeah, like oh yeah, like that's players. something that. Yeah, that's something they're going to get over. It can be 70 years. Patrick Beverly will be 93 years old. If he stops by Oklahoma City, uh, they'll boo him. Do you think but at I'm the hotel tell you there they give him the uh, bed bug room? That they oh, gave God, the at, at the Skirvin, <laughs> so the bed bug yeah, room good. with extra ghosts, for sure. <laughs> that's so funny. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something about these old rivalries. So last night in the house... Isaiah Thomas, is, he's got a new champagne out. So he had an event last night at the Garden, if you can believe this. Wow. At Boston Garden to, to hawk his champagne, which is very good, by the way. And he was there with Mark Aguirre, okay? And, and Rick Mahorn does the radio for the mm-hmm. Pistons. So all three of them are there. Danny Ainge is walking through. They're hugging each other. I'm looking at them going, <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Max comes through. Hey, Ricky. Hey, Max. Max, can I have some of your sweet potato pie? Max makes a great sweet potato pie. Mm -hmm. The next thing you know, Max stops. He's cutting a piece of pie and wrapping it in foil for Mickey. This is Cedric Maxwell. Yeah, right. Maxwell, sorry. Cedric Maxwell. And I'm looking at them going, really, guys? He makes sweet potato pie? He does. But they all, like, they all, like, (laughs) now are so, just so Pally, it's just, I said to Rick, I had dinner with Rick in the press room. I'm like, Rick Moore, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He said, the only one that is still no good is he said, Larry Bird still hates Bill Ambier. <laughs> like, hates him. Hates him. Won't uh, discuss him. Do you him. blame him? And I, no. And I remember one of my favorite moments with Larry was getting on the bus and Larry, I said, hey, well, congratulations, Larry. You made the all-star team like Larry cared or like it wasn't obvious. And he said to me, did Bill Lermier beer make it? I said, no. And he said, good. I said, why? And he said, because then when he comes on the bus and he says, hi, Larry, I don't have to say bleep you, Bill. <laughs> so, and I anyway. believe that, too. But that was – the, way, the how, man had a great line there about making sweet potato. Yeah. Why, why is his name Cornbread? He should be sweet potato. Yeah. Sweet potato next That's week. right. Call him sweet potato in retirement. Hey, how sweet was it, speaking of sweet, that Blake Griffin had that tribute to, Z- to Isaiah Thomas at the end of the game when uh, when Zeke made his Boston appearance? That was very cool. I didn't see this. Yeah. The inbounds pass. Oh, oh man. Damn. I was like, what is he talking about? Burn, burn. <laughs> yeah, it was a second reference. So, Jackie, um, you've seen yeah. more than one NBA season. Have you ever uh-huh. seen, because I got into, I wouldn't say a, uh, I got into a, debate with our mm-hmm. beautiful desk, our wonderful desk at ESPN.com last night on the situation with Larry oh, Drew and Cleveland. Windy. Um, I was arguing for the this word unprecedented. I was yeah, arguing for the bizarre. word unprecedented and uh, they mm-hmm. we ended up negotiating it to peculiar. So, Jackie, have you ever <laughs> seen a situation <laughs> where there's a guy... I mean, I've, I've seen guys who have like, look, I'm not going to be the interim coach. You might as well just fire me or give it to somebody else. Right. I've seen guys not want to be the interim coach before. But how about a guy who doesn't want to take the job, but then is actually doing the job, but complaining that he's not being paid more to do the job while he's in the job? I know it. I love this. I don't like it. I love it. It's exactly what Dan Gilbert deserves. Because you know this, Brian. The first thing he did before this season started was cut the pay of the assistants. And that's why Boylan moved on, right? And so The assistants you, are, are not happy was, about their contractual situation. Well, nor, and nor true. should they be. This reminds me of Donald Sterling. And you guys know this. He was notorious 
for firing coaches and not paying them the balance of their contract. He did it with Bob Weiss. He did it with Don Casey. I believe he might have done it with Mike Dunleavy. He did it with this, Elgin Baylor. Elgin uh, Baylor, we know, I right, think as the Dunleavy GM. and yeah. Baylor both sued him, I think. And so did Bob Weiss. They were all these people. Okay. And they never got their money, you know? And so... I love that Larry Drew is doing this because Larry Drew, look, he's been around. He's been a head coach. He's been an assistant coach. He's been fired. He's been hired. And he's like, you know what, dude? Now, Larry Drew, if I'm not mistaken, makes over a million. Is that right, Brian? Just just a tad under a million. Okay. So he's, well so he's a very high, he's very well-paid assistant coach. And I, and, um, so I, he, I like it. He's got a little bit of leverage. And I love that he's just telling the whole world, hey, this is how it goes. And so my guess is he's not going to be the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's my guess. I don't know what you think. By that, like you mean the interim? Do you mean he's not going to be the interim coach? Right. I don't think so. Yeah. Because I, I don't think Gilbert's going to pay him. Do you, Brian? No. No. And I think so basically what, what really what Larry, I mean, uh, Joe Varden from The Athletic wrote this. He said Larry's best weapon right now is to publicly shame them, and he gets to talk oh, to yeah, the media every it. day. And right. he's doing and a great so, job of that. Yeah, and so you know they what? think about. Go ahead, sorry, Brian. No, no, go ahead, Jackie. I'm interested. Well, what I was just going to say was, and I mean, now we understand exactly how Ty Lu is the happiest man on the planet. He's getting paid, and he gets out. Peel of back this the mess. curtain, but I think he is very happy. I have a good. Well, you know why? He's got true. some health issues, as we know. He had some problem with his foot. He's on steroids for something else. Yeah, this guy needs to take care of his personal health, and he's going to get paid because there's nothing they can do about it. I suppose they could pull a Sterling and not pay him, but we, I don't think Gilbert will do that. And so he gets out from under this mess because you're undermining him with his coaches, first of all. Now, then you start undermining with their players, telling them who he should play, who he should not play. Mm-hmm. Ty Lue doesn't need that. And you know what? I'm going to guess that Larry Drew doesn't need that either. Right. Larry Drew knows he's probably not going to be the – like it would be one thing if Larry Drew thought he could get in this job, he could turn things around, and he could maybe get a chance to get the job long term. I don't think right. he thinks that's possible. Yeah, or maybe he doesn't he'll even be afforded want that opportunity. Although maybe he would have been because he would cost a lot less than whoever else. I mean, you know, I don't believe Gilbert's going to bring in a, a high-profile coach for a team that's clearly uh, in disarray, right? Well, I, I, it's very hard to read Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert loves making splashy moves and hires and anything's mm-hmm. possible. Um, but okay. uh, the the thing that this what is where, where the Cavs are in an interesting spot here is that. Um, that he's doing the job. And so if you're the – and by the way, he has been a good coach in this situation. He went 8-1 and one last year when Ty right. Lue – now, granted, they were, they were a good team. But, you know, right. he – But he got him their first win the other night. Got him their yes. first win. <laughs> Against a, the Hawks who own their pick if, when it's top 10 protected. So certainly I'm not saying the players well, were motivated, but yeah. Well, I know. But my point yeah, is – win's a win. Rodney Hood, right? 26. Rodney Hood. Yeah, I wouldn't count on that every night. Um, <laughs> or, so, <laughs> uh, and j- j- I think the saga of J.R. Smith this season sort of illustrates yeah, wow. what's happening with the Cavs. Now, look, I am not taking a side about J.R. Smith because he has not been good this season. I just want to tell the story of what's happened to them to show you how messed up the Cavs are seven games into the season. So the Cavs... Over the summer, LeBron leaves. Okay. He, and by the way, he didn't even leave on July 9th or 10th like he did in the past, and teams who left could complain that he didn't give him time. Mm-hmm. He, he let everybody know on July 1st. Okay. So Cavs knew on July 1st LeBron is not back. Over the summer, they, um, they made one minor trade. That was to bring in Sam Decker. But they um, did not trade Kyle Korver. They did not trade J.R. Smith. Not that there was much of a market. They did not trade George uh, Hill. Um, they extended Kevin Love on a $100 million deal in which they told him we intend to compete. Um, and they retained Ty Lue to be their coach. They could have parted ways with him last summer, and maybe he would have gotten another job and they wouldn't be on the hook for $15 million. But <clears throat> they retained right. Ty Lue as their coach. And um, <clears throat> they entered the season, and they had this snazzy uh, phrase uh, for their team season, uh, be the fight, whatever that means. But it doesn't sound like... Um, watch us rebuild, which is what other team slogans basically are. And that's the Hawks slogan. Two games into the season, not 20, not 12, two games into the season. Okay. There was people upset. And I don't know 
I'm not going to say exactly what people, but people were upset outside the locker room about the playing time for the young players, specifically Colin Sexton, their rookie, two games into the season. So at that point, they they had a meeting with J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver and Channing Frye, but Channing wasn't playing anyway. That's that's the other thing they did. They signed Channing Frye. Now, granted, you know, maybe you sign him as a – Kevin loves Binky. Kevin loves Binky. But you sign him, you know, a a veteran, you know, you're not – anyway. Two games in, they say all three of those guys, hey, hey, guess what? You guys are not going to play. We're going to go young. And they're like, wait a minute. Go young? We're – it's October 20th. What are you talking about, go young? We just had a whole training camp where you talked about playing the veterans. Nope, we're going to go young. So they're nope, like we're mystified. We're going to keep our pick this year. Right. So they're mystified. One game later, Ty Lue comes in and says, JR, Kyle, put on the, the backup team jerseys. You're going in. You're going to be on the second unit. All right. Now we're playing again. Okay, here we go. They played terribly, all right? I mean, Corver didn't. Corver played well, but JR played very poorly. And the team lost three games. Sexton was averaging 23 minutes a game. That pissed off the ownership, and they fired Ty Lu. okay? Now we're six games in. Now they pull, Cor- they pull JR back in and say, JR, you're back out of the rotation. And JR says, I want to go home. JR is looking for the soup at this point. You know where to throw it at. I know. Um, well, Damon he, Jones he, got fired can, this week. I know, but he, I, I bet you can find a new target. So now you may say that that's not professional, and I wasn't in the room and everything. It's not. It's um, not professional. But Jr. ultimately got talked into staying. Uh, he did not play last night, though. Um, Corver is still playing, and the reason he's still playing is because they want to trade him. He's being showcased. And so, again, I'm not going to take a side here. I'm just ex- expressing that in six in a seven-game span, J.R. Smith has been played, told he's not playing, played, told he's not playing again. I want you um, to take a side. Take a side. I take think it's side. lunacy. I think it's lunacy. I mean, sometimes even really The shirtless champion teams, is getting screwed. Say it. Well, he's not being treated. They're asking him to be treated professionally when they're not acting professionally. Right. That's a fair fair point. And, you know, he can't go home. Because if he goes home, his NBA career might be in jeopardy. Yeah, it's over. Okay. Um, But but his career might be in jeopardy anyway. What's his contract situation? He is uh, – I, I don't know what his number is this year. I think it's like $13 million. And then next year he's, uh, he's guaranteed Jeez. about $4 million, about four of it. Oh, so, so he's he, a buyout candidate. Buy him out. Well, he's actually a trade – I don't want to get too deep into the rabbit hole here. He's a trade candidate. In the new CBA, which is one we're in right now, yeah. when you trade a player on a, on, a, on, a, on a partially guaranteed contract, you can only count what he's guaranteed in the, in the deal. So, like, for example, George Hill. George Hill has a $20 million contract next year, or 19, but only $1 million of it is guaranteed. That's a nice trade chip, except for when you, if you trade him next summer, you can only count the $1 million. Right. But J.R. Smith's contract is grandfathered so in on the previous CBA. Mm-hmm. So you can count his entire $14 million. Um, next year. So, so, the, so the Cavs are incentivized. would be, yeah. Gotcha. Oh, that's interesting. From, from an asset standpoint, the Cavs are incentivized yeah. to keep Jr. on their roster until next into next, next year. season. Yeah. So and so you, and then why not use him as a trade? Why not then? then at this point? Why not Joakim Noem? Well, I mean, if it's going to be this, what like what are you doing having him around? Well, look, I think this is being this is playing out as we speak. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not holding up Jr. as a bastion of, you know, I don't want to necessarily be on that side. But I'm just saying, look how he's been treated in seven games. Now, look, even well-run teams think the season's going to go one way and it goes sideways, and they get to J- December, January, and they go, "We got a, we got a retrofit." But yeah. not two games in, not six games in. Well, in, in defense of, of J.R. Smith's quote-unquote lack of professionalism, I mean, he clearly knows what the score is in this situation. How do you mean? 
He's making a joke. Was, Babu. Like oh, he didn't I, know oh, the I'm score. Sorry. That zoomed over my head. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, it's a mess. It's, yeah. it's interesting because you, you, you laid it out nicely, Brian. They should have, made, they should have moved on from Ty last, after LeBron left um, because Kobe didn't hire him, right? He was not Kobe Altman's hire. He was Griff's hire. They should have seen what, you know, they probably did, to your point. They probably did float out some. Um, but, but now that you've, now when you've signed Kevin Love to this extension, and we think he's going to be out a month, which is not good news for them either. And, and I remember at the time, Brian, you were saying, does this make sense? And we had a very good debate about that. Now it really makes no sense, right? Well, it makes sense if your intention is to try to compete this year. And, I mean, we could have had a debate back and forth over whether a, uh, a Cavs team with a healthy Kevin Love for 80 games could win mm. enough games to make the playoffs. Um, but Kevin Love is almost never healthy for a full season. Well, and I would say no. I would say no to that anyway. Well, yeah, you would say no, no and a lot of people uh-huh. would say no, but there are people who would say yes. And, and I would say I would point to the Love Era Minnesota Timberwolves as evidence on the no side. But, I mean, well, I wouldn't blame it on Kevin. Right I would blame it on the people around him. This team was built for LeBron James. This team was built for LeBron. Right. And Kevin and Love is not wrong LeBron. With... That's staying the... that, there isn't nothing I wrong mean, with that. But now he's gone and the team doesn't fit. I mean, Tristan Thompson, my goodness. What do you do about him? Well, I, I think they actually want to keep him. But here's the thing. I, 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 would, you know, I would do right by Kyle Korver. I would say, hey, do you want to play like in Philadelphia? You played mm-hmm. in Philadelphia when you were in your career. Philly needs a shooter. They have Jared Bayless. How about hooking them back up with LeBron? That's possible, too. Lakers could um, use some I, shooting. I don't that's for sure. think they would do that because Kyle is owed $3 million next year. And I don't think that the Lakers even want that on their books. Yeah, they want, a clear, wow. they want, they want clear books. They want clear books. I think yeah. Milwaukee is an option. Um, uh, Kyle I mean, played everybody. for the – Yeah. Kyle played for the Bucks or played for Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta. Atlanta, um, yeah, exactly. Philly is not. Sure, but I mean, they pro. could make that. They could make that deal, and I mean, they may only realize a second round pick. I, I think a fair trade for Kyle Korver, especially since he has a uh, a contract um, next year that's very tradable because it's um, it's partially guaranteed or partially team guaranteed. Keep him. Yeah. Um, I like. I want Kyle Korver on my team. I'll just tell you that. Yeah, right now. yeah. I, I, he, doesn't, I think, he doesn't demand shots. He plays hard. He can shoot the ball defensively. Yeah, he's thirty-eight we know about years that. old, so you're not going to get yeah. like yeah. a first-round pick for him. But you could get a second-round pick and a young player, or maybe like two second-round picks, where one of the second-round picks wasn't that attractive. Like if, like I, I'm looking at Philadelphia, for example. Let's mm-hmm. they, they, they could the Cavs could trade for Jared Bayless. They could they could trade Jared Bayless for for Kyle Korver, and they could probably get. Two second round picks. The Sixers own a bunch of second round picks, and maybe one of the picks is one of those picks is only going to be in the fifties or whatever. Um, I think that's a type of trade the Cavs could do tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. You know. So, but anyway, um, they probably should start doing right by these veterans. If I if I were the Cavs, I would look at George Hill, who is like I said, only one million guaranteed next year. They could take on some money. Um, for George Hill, basically take a bad contract from a team and maybe even get a first-round pick for doing it. Um, that's the type of trades that they should be be looking at right now, and frankly, those are the type of trades they should have been looking at in July. Um, well, exactly. But they didn't. That's exactly Hey, Brian. Uh, but they did Yes, Andrew. Um, not to move this along, but it's the end of the month, and we have a segment that we, we like to do monthly. Can we get to that? We do now. This is a this is a big this is an important distinction. This month, this only lasted three weeks. This season, can we name a Cajones Factor Player of the Month on a three week month? Tim, you're damn straight. You can. I mean, absolutely. It was a month in which NBA basketball was played. Therefore, you can name a Cajones Factor Player of the Month. Show me you got some big Cajones and not some little bitty chiquita ones. Now, I'm afraid that one of the primary candidates removed himself from consideration with his Isaiah Thomas tribute last night. I just cannot, in good faith, put Blake Griffin (laughs) up for nomination, despite the fact that he has the second most clutch points in the NBA, despite the fact that he had a driving and one overtime game winner to give him 50 points 
against the Philadelphia 76ers. I, I cannot in I think you're conscience. being a difficult uh, – uh, I think you're being a strict okay. grader here. Well, okay, fine. We'll put Blake up for consideration, but I'm just noting that it, his candidacy certainly took a uh, significant hit last night. But, so, What about the entire Sacramento Kings organization for Cajones <laughs> Factor? This is the first time in two years they've been over 500. I, okay, uh, I, I, can, I can get down with that. And uh, by the way, they're a very intriguing team. Darren Fox, he didn't play great last night, but he's been off to a great start. Looks like a worthy fifth overall pick. Um, Buddy Heald has been playing great. Willie Colley-Stein, those are 325 and under. Yeah, 325 and under, though, top six overall picks. You know what, though? When I look at the Kings, I just can't help thinking two things. I'm intrigued by them. But I can't help thinking, man, Luka Doncic would have been a great fit there. And, boy, it sure would be nice if they had their first-round pick next year. Although that, it's kind of looking like the Nets pick that Cleveland ended up with, where you think, it's wow, it's going to be this great well, trade chip, and it'll end up being somewhere Let's, let's, let's calm down waited, a little bit on that. Weighted waited lottery <laughs> odds, too. Remember, the lottery odds are all yeah. different. So, yep. Um, so, okay, so, so that's one candidate. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put Blake there. I'll, I'll give you the entire Sacramento Kings roster. Um, one, Jimmy Butler certainly yes. has, well, that's uh, your answer. he leads, he leads that's the NBA in audacity. There's no question about that. <laughs> um, and then this is a man, I mean, have you ever in your life, and Jackie, you've been covering the NBA since you flying coach in the wee hours of the morning with the, with the teams. Have you ever right. seen a player go from booze at home to MVP chance as he's right. putting dagger yeah. after the dagger same night. the opponent? The yeah. Same night. He, he, yeah, he, that, he, he's I your mean, winner. He's your hands-down yeah. winner. Cajones, hey, put, his middle name put, is Cajones right now. There you go. The, the dagger on LeBron's Lakers right in Rondo's face, I'm sure a shot that Chris Paul thoroughly enjoyed the other night. I, I will grant you that, uh, that Jimmy Butler – I would say is the leading candidate. And then I do have to throw one more in there, though. One more candidate here. DeMar DeRozan has been absolutely spectacular as the Spurs closer. This is a guy everybody's wondering, wow, you know, I mean, geez, he's really taking this trade hard. And, man, you know, is he going to be able to recover after basically getting dumped by uh, by the Raptors, and he goes to San Antonio. Uh, they are four and zero in, in quote unquote clutch games. He has twenty one points in twenty three minutes. They are the the best, and it's a smaller sample size, but they are the best clutch team in the NBA right now. He is absolutely filled that closer role. I mean, he boy, the Mavericks said that, that, that night in overtime. I felt bad for poor Wes Matthews because DeRozan was just killing him. So those are candidates. Blake Griffin. Well, this is a committee of one. I mean, Jackie and I are here to no, no, no. We're just supplement. No, no, we're we're just a committee of one. No, we're here. Well, I I think I think make the call. I think I think it's got to be Jimmy Butler. I mean, record-setting audacity, boost the MVP chance, and and the dagger in Rondo's face. Jimmy Butler, congratulations. I don't know if we can ship the fictional plaque to Minnesota because we're not sure how much longer he'll be there. But he is the October Cajones Player of the Month. I'm going to tell you something. Well you can go ahead and ship it because he's going to be there in the time that's going to take to get there because the, he is going nowhere right now. Are we doing Player of the Month or no? Nah. I mean, okay. go ahead if you want to throw one up there. I mean, Well, I just he, he's in concussion protocol. But remember, we talked about Bud and the effect he'd have on those Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm, I think they're the only unbeaten team remaining. Am I correct? They are, um, and despite the fact that uh, Giannis and Kawhi were out the other night, um, I am going to give the Bucks credit for a really nice win uh, over the over the Raptors uh, yeah, because they're good, they still man. had to play and they still had to play well. Although I will say, <clears throat> five of the games have been at home. The Raptors have also enjoyed a friendly home schedule. I think they yes, they're they seven have. and one, yeah. and six of the games are at home. But nonetheless, they've beaten yeah. the Sixers and the Celtics there. So right, they um, sure have. And so the Bucks come here uh, tomorrow night, and everybody's just sad because Giannis will be out. Yeah, Giannis will be out. I think. I mean, they haven't announced that, but I'd be shocked if he plays. Well, He's in concussion uh, protocol. I wasn't thrilled with the fact that he said that he blacked out 
and then, yeah, and then he still kept played, playing. So. And I then his playing. quote, his quote on the matter was, "I'm a, I'm a not I'm a warrior. He's something like I'm a." Yeah, but that's what players always say. You got to save I, the players from themselves. It's this. It's the age-old story. We that's see this why in the I NFL all the time. That. Yeah, yeah I so I don't think he's going to be here Thursday, which is too bad because I think everybody's all revved up for it, and uh, it's a lost opportunity. First game, we can announce this. Well, it's not already been announced, but first game tomorrow night for our brand-new ESPN employee and longtime fans of this podcast will know him oh. well. Oh, Yippee. Goodness. Welcome. This is, this is- I tell you, there's total disrespect here. Nobody runs anything by me, and crap like this happens. <laughs> Go ahead. What do well, you mean? Wait, what? Come on, Tim Bontemps. We love him. Welcome Tim Bontemps is now our uh, Boston-based Speak NBA writer cover the Celtics. And let me just say that as someone who got home at 1.30 in the morning last night, no one is happier than me that Tim is finally here. <laughs> His first game, Jackie, there – uh, he told me yesterday they've got him lined up for like four Sports Center hits on his first day. He's never done. That's fantastic. I mean, he's done some TV, but he has never done this before. So he is. They're throwing him into the into the deep end of the pool tomorrow. So the old clickety clack, Tim Bontemps, and we'll be on the podcast soon. We got to let him oh, get settled, geez. and he's got a lot of work I'm, to do. Once again, something else nobody runs by me. Hope everybody enjoys their Halloween. Just don't knock on my door. Have a nice uh, week. Thanks. Come for to my house. Come to my house. Big candy. Full size Hershey bars. bars. Full size. Come, please.